0: Love, talk, radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company, providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals helping you improve your game from tee to green good morning welcome to the women of golf the number one women's golf show around the world with hosts ted otoriko and cindy miller join them as they interview some of the best players from the epson LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy.
1: All right, good morning, everybody, once again, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odarico. Unfortunately, Cindy is not able to make it this morning. She had another uh, prior engagement, so she sends her best uh, to both me, of course, and uh, our very special guest this morning. So as they say, or I've said in the past, I'm batching it this morning uh, here on the Women of Golf. I'm the host, of course, and uh, looking forward to uh, producing another good show for you guys. And hopefully, uh, obviously you found us um, where we are, but uh, for those of you that aren't too clear, um, if you go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf, that is our main uh, hosting page. And uh, for some reason, if you're not able to tune into the live show, uh, you can visit that link and scroll down to the On Demand section, and you'll see all of the previously aired shows. And today's will be there. Uh, as, of course, all the shows are auto-recorded. But we are live now from uh, 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the network, so we're glad for those of you tuning in live that you're able to join us. All right, I'm super excited to have uh, – um, I don't know if I'm as excited as she is, but I'm excited anyway <laughs> to have uh, this special guest uh, on this morning, uh, another great uh, player from the LPGA Epson Tour. She's a rookie this season, uh, Abigail uh, Arabello, and uh, she's from the Philippines and is currently, as I said, in her rookie season on the Epson Tour. Uh, previously, she attended San Jose State University, uh, where she played for the Spartans. Uh, her four years at San Jose garnered three career wins, 14 top tens, and six other top 20 finishes uh, there. Uh, she was also honored as uh, on the Dean's Scholar and uh, finished seventh at the 2019 Women's Amateur Asia Pacific Championship. So, please welcome my very special guest this morning, Abigail uh, Abigail, excuse me, Arabello. Uh, Abigail, thank you for joining me this morning.
2: Hi, Ted. Yes, of course. Very happy to
1: be. So, as I said, I know we, we were just talking off air and you were saying that, uh, that you were super excited to, to coming on, that you've been listening to uh, the show. Um, actually, you said when you were driving from California um, on your way to Florida, I'm assuming obviously to play uh, some events. So, um, how long have you been listening? When, when was that, did, when you first heard the podcast?
2: Oh, when was that? Um, May.
1: Early in the mid-May.
2: season? May. Oh May. Yes. Okay, good. Yes. And I take a listen to Dottie.
1: Oh, okay. Very yeah. good, yeah. And uh, you said you were waiting for your turn, so here you are, you're on and we're gonna talk about some things. So I wanna I wanna dial back a few years before college, uh, you know, all of that good stuff. What was your early recollection of golf? How did you sort of get introduced to the game? Um, was it a family member that introduced you, or was it just watching, uh, as we all do, on TV, and something just sort of sparked that, that interest? When was your first recollection of playing or having an interest well, my first
2: Well, my first recollection of playing was when I first started learning how to walk. <laughs> it was just immediate <laughs> with our family. We're a golfing family. I have three older brothers and one little sister, and everyone plays golf. My dad oh, wow. uh, used to be a caddy in the Philippines, and then he played a little bit, um, only locally, and um, he just influenced our whole family to play golf.
1: Very good. Um, so did you take lessons right away, or are you just sort of that? Dad sort of helped you out a little bit early on with the game. And then when did you decide, okay, you know, I really like this, and I think I want to do this a little bit more permanently. When did you decide... Uh, or what was the the, uh, the initial uh, thought, if you will, of when you decided to take this a little bit further than just sort of playing with the family and maybe a few friends?
2: Um, my dad was my coach initially, and then um, I think when I was 13, we hired a different coach. And then, mm-hmm. um, honestly, I quit golf for a year. I was very burnt out. I played a lot of junior tournaments um, internationally. Um, I went to the U.S. every summer and played a whole uh, circuit. And I got really burnt out, so I did something else. I um, took dance lessons. I was a normal student. I went to school every day and did all of that. And then I noticed that I had the opportunity to play for um, a college here in the U.S. And that's when Mm -hmm. I knew, I was like, okay, maybe I can pursue this. And then um, I think my junior year, that's when I was like, oh, I can be good. Um, let's try and do, um, (laughs) professional golf.
1: (laughs) What was your experience? You played, as I mentioned for the Spartans. So here you are, you're now on the the women's golf team and you're, you're out there, um, competing against other schools and that. Um, but it's a little bit different because uh, as you know, now being on the Epson tour, um, you're out there by yourself. Whereas when you're playing with the Spartans, you're part of a team. Is that, um, was that an, an easy transition? Was that a hard transition going from playing on a team to now being on your own?
0: Oh, it was
2: the most difficult transition. It, it's just so different. Um, playing as a team and playing individually is very different. Not only that, the travel. Um, when you're in college, just your coaches do everything for you. You pretty much just show up on the mm-hmm. first field. Like, all right, let's go. Um <laughs> <And> in <laughs> professional golf, like, you have to plan everything, and this year was really difficult for me because I don't know if I'm going to be playing an event or not. I've been an alternate for the longest time this year. Third, second, and mm-hmm. alternate, oh, my gosh, I'm in, I'm playing. Okay, I have to figure out how to get there. So I couldn't plan ahead a compared to the other players. So that was difficult.
1: Yeah, and, and I imagine – the, uh, you already touched on this. To travel and arranging for your own travel now is 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 difficult. Is that the most challenging part of tour life now for you? Is is sort of organizing your own schedule. Is that the most difficult? I mean, obviously it's tough out there, you know, uh, on the golf course too. I don't want to take away from that, but is that the most challenging part? Do you think is is sort of having to organize yourself now as opposed to having the coach do that for you?
2: I don't think it's the hardest part on tour. No, um, it's just something you kind of have to deal with. I definitely drove the whole United States this year. (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to do that again next year. Um, But no, there's definitely harder harder things to deal with on tour.
1: What were some of the the more challenging parts for you? What have been some of the most... I mean, you've played now since early this year. Uh, What has been some Mm -hmm. of the challenging parts for you, do you think, out on tour?
2: I think some of the challenges... Definitely the level of golf that we're playing. It's its one of the hardest tours in the world. Um, it's different from collegiate golf. Um, they tuck all the pins. <laughs> like in French mm-hmm. Lick, yep. they tucked a lot of pins. It was it was so challenging and fun. Um, and everybody's good, you know. Um, in collegiate golf, there's no cut. Um, on the Epsom Tour and all professional tours, unfortunately, there's a cut, and you kind of have to deal with that. Everyone's good.
1: Yeah, you're, you're now elevated, certainly, um, to a much higher level of, of game. Um, you mentioned French Lick, and last week, of course, we had a, a very special guest on who was just getting ready uh, to play French Lick, and, um, of course, they moved it from the Donald Ross to the uh, Die course this year, so it's a little bit more challenging. How did you find it? Um, I Obviously, you didn't play on it last year, but... Um, was it extremely challenging? I mean, I know it's very hilly and the greens are, are pretty tough and fast. How did you find mm-hmm. your play? If you were to assess your overall play this last week at French Lick, how do you feel you you uh, uh, played uh, during the event?
2: You know what? I feel really great that um, the work I've put in with my mentor, my mental coach, John Kennedy. Um, there's a lot of improvement and. Um, Oh, it was just such a difficult course, and what made it even more difficult were the delays. So my four days went Mm -hmm. from playing 12 holes the first day, playing six holes the second day. The third day I played 30 holes, and then the the final round I played 24 holes. It was hot. I carried my own bag. It was really it was a tough hike. Um, So you kind (laughs) of it's mentally and physically tiring and. I don't want to say you have to be patient out there because when you're patient, you kind of, like, I don't like the word patient because you're dealing with something you don't like at the moment. Right. I, I enjoyed right. every single moment out there. Um, you kind of have to be present. You kind of have to be present and just focus on what you're doing in front of you because it was, we dealt with long days out there.
1: Yeah, you have to, you have to sort of muster up the strength, the inner the inner strength, if you will to sort of power through. Because, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's going to be some great days out there. The You know, the ball striking is going to be great. The putts are going to roll in. Uh, and then there's going to be days where, l- let's be honest, it's going to kind of suck. I mean, you're going to be out there. You're <laughs> carrying your bag. It's mm-hmm. hot. You know, rain delays, all of these things throwing at you. But that's part of being a touring professional. That's some of the, the hills, if you will, and valleys that you're going to be going in and out. Um, if you were to assess your overall performance since turning um, – and sort of becoming a rookie on the Epson tour this year. How do you feel so far this year? Um, are, are you happy? You mentioned some of the changes and, and things that you're working on, um, you're you're excited about. But overall, are you happy with where you are right now? Obviously, everybody wants to be better than where they are. But overall, are you happy with, with your performance so far this season?
2: I like that question because it's a very general, you know, broad Um I'm definitely happy with all the things I'm working on with my team. I'm very fortunate to work with a very great team. Definitely, performance is not there. Me and my whole team know that, um, but it can always be better anyway. Um, right. It's a tough question, Ted. <laughs> um, well,
1: it let me rephrase it this way then. Um, you know, there's always areas of your game that are going to need improvement. I don't care what level, even Tiger Woods. Um, you know, always said that there were always things that he was working on um, and trying to improve. So even, you know, when you're the best player in the world, um, at times there's going to be things that are going to challenge you. So what's challenging you right now? What parts of your game are giving you uh, the greatest challenges? Uh, And then maybe also talk about some of the areas of your game that you feel, uh, you know, we're never going to master them, but you feel, okay, these are pretty solid right now. I'm, I'm confident with these but here's some areas that I still need to be, really work on.
2: Um, I think I would just say probably my mental game because my game has always been there. It's always going to be there, but it's, you know, trying to deal with a different environment I think was the main um, challenge in the beginning of my mm-hmm. rookie season on the Epsom tour. So, you know, just I've been working a lot with my mentor again and, you know, there's there's nowhere else but through it. I'm just going to keep
1: going. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, what, what's interesting about the, the the sort of the mind game, if you will, is you're in good company because every player that we've ever interviewed, that talked to here on the program have all said the same thing. That is probably the most challenging part of their game. And we had, and I've said this probably a thousand times, I'm sure the listeners are probably sick of me talking about this, but I, I think it it raises a very valid point. Several years ago, we had uh, a group of young ladies in a row. We had about four or five, maybe six girls uh, from uh, at that time it was the Smetra, but um, had uh, come on the show and had won their first uh, event. And what was interesting, every one of them had the same story: is that they were struggling, they were really gr- out there grinding it, working hard, um, but they just couldn't seem to make it happen. And they said that they didn't feel, there was a point in time where they just didn't feel like they were having fun anymore. Um, it was just becoming too, too hard, too, too much of a struggle. And then something, a switch sort of went off inside in their minds, and they said, you know what, I'm just going to go out. I know I've got a good game, just like you said a moment ago. You know that your game's there, but mentally it hasn't been. So I'm just going to go out, and I'm going to have fun, and whatever happens, happens. And what was interesting is every single one, and I'm not exaggerating. You can go back and listen in the archives. Um, every single one of the girls... Said the same thing the very next week they won is that wow. Do you think maybe some yeah so th- there's power in in what we say to ourselves internally so what I, why i'm saying that to you is if you feel through your own analysis that it's not the game that there's the mind game maybe you know negative self-talk whatever and i'm not saying that you are do you think that maybe if you change that strategy in your mind and said, you know what, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to have fun, I know I've got a good game, yeah, I'm going to keep working on the things I need to work with with my team, but I'm just going to go out there and have fun and enjoy the process and just really, you know, soak in everything that, you know, the golf course, the environment, all that kind of stuff, and just go out and have fun. Do you think that that might help make a difference for you?
2: It already did. It already did. Um in French Lake. And I don't know if you followed um, my performance. I missed four cuts in a row. And then finally mm-hmm. making the cut in French Lake, it was just, I was just so happy. I didn't even realize it. Um, but definitely me and my mentor, just, I don't know. It's it just kind of ha- it's like what's holding you back, right? So I just kind of went out there and played. It's so easy to say yeah, too. It-
1: yeah it, it, it's it's I think this is tr- truthfully this is one of the most challenging parts for for a touring professional. I mean the travel yeah it can get to you after a while and yeah the weather can sometimes play you know havoc with your mind, especially with delays. it throws you off your balance, so sort to of speak, and can sometimes for some players can even throw them off their game entirely, um, but you can always find a way to work around that, but when it comes to um you know, your enjoyment of it. Obviously, you're you're there because you do enjoy playing this game and you like playing at a high competitive level. But sometimes those negative thoughts creep in. So what do you say to yourself when you're out there in the golf course and you're slepping that bag around and the rain's coming down mm-hmm. and things are just not? What do you say to yourself internally to, to sort of flip that switch and say, okay, come on, girl, we got to get moving forward. we got some more birdies to go after.
2: I love this question. Um Obviously, there's some negative talk, like after a bad child, oh, I pulled it, you know, and the, the margin of error is very tiny on a pizza I course. So if you pull it a little right. bit, um, block it a little bit, you're not going to be on the green or you're not going to be in the fairway. Um, I allow myself to get mad um, internally. I don't really show when I'm mad out there. And then I get over it. Um, I pick up my bag, take a walk. I enjoy the scenery. Um, and I stay zen. Um, I stay present. I was like, okay, I'll be breathe. I meditate a lot, so I kind of just um, reframe my mind um, to that relaxation when I'm when I'm meditating. So I I kind of bring it to the core. So it's like, okay, I'm relaxed now. Here's a new shot. I'm just gonna focus on this. Staying present. I, I'm big on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that, that's so true because, you know, a very good friend of mine has always said, and I, I agree with him, is you can't change the past. So whatever bad shot mm-hmm. may have happened, you, can't, you don't get a do-over. Um, and the future mm-hmm. hasn't happened yet, so the next shot hasn't happened yet, so all there is is the present, which is right now, so the shot at hand. So as you walk up, you know, even if you've hit a bad shot, as you walk up, that bad shot, you know, you have to certainly, as you say, get angry. Whatever emotion you need to expel, expel it very quickly. Mm-hmm. And then you need to move on, and now you've got a brand new shot. It's like a whole new shot all over again that you get to play, and 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 it, you know even if it ends up being a bad shot too, that's okay because you've got 18 holes that you're playing, and you've got multiple rounds that you're playing in a tournament. So there's lots of golf ahead of you, um, and I think it's I think this is where a lot of amateurs really struggle. I mean some of them can hit a pretty good ball, but then they get out there and they're sort of a self-defeated attitude and, and get down. So I, I'm, i like you, I'm a firm believer in, you know, dealing with the bad shot at the moment, but then getting over it. I, I always equate this, and this is another, I'm sure the audience is probably rolling their eyes thinking, he's not going to talk about this again, but I am. <laughs> um, I always equate it to going to the airport. You know, when you're at the airport, what do you see? You see people dragging their baggage all the way around the airport. They're just lugging their baggage. And I equate that to, to a lot of amateur golfers is, They've got you know three or four bags. They're schlepping around the gall uh, around the airport. And what the the metaphor that I'm talking about is it's every bad shot they've ever hit. Inside those bags is every bad shot they've ever hit, and they're bringing it to every new shot that they have before them. So I always say you know check your bags. Check your bags in after each uh, you know each time you go to the airport. Check your bags in and then you're free to do whatever you want in the airport. You're not lugging those around. And it's the same thing with the bad shot. Check the bad shots. It's done. It's over with. You don't have to worry about it, and let's go on to something new. And that's how I uh, sort of frame it um, and, and sort of analyze it and that. So you had a great tournament this past weekend. You made the cut, and you went on and played. What was your strategy? Obviously, you wanted to make the cut, but what was your strategy? You knew you were going to play a course that you probably were not familiar with, and that when you have that happen to you, when you're playing a new uh, facility you've never played before, obviously you have opportunities for a practice round or so. Um, what do you say to yourself going in? What do you look for? What is it that you do to prepare yourself as best you can?
2: And um... Let's see. Well, I have a whole routine now. I make sure I don't do more. I don't play more than 18 holes. I figured that out after playing a couple of events mm-hmm. on the Epson Tour. Um, I have a whole routine. I take videos on a Tuesday and then on Wednesday. Thursday, Wednesday was the program. I was not part of it. What's Thursday? Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I don't remember the days anymore. Um, yeah. Ther- Thursday was, was the first day of the tournament. Just- yeah. Oh, Thursday was the first day of the tournament? Okay, Thursday. Well, I just kind of get out there and take as good notes as possible, and I just keep it simple. Just hit it to the fairway, middle of the green, make the putter or not. I don't know. How do I prepare myself? I think that I've done all the preparation, and once I get to the tournament, I kind of just play. I I don't think much of it. Um, I trust it. I trust everything that I do, and... um, just be confident
1: out there. Yeah, I think that's so important. Now, do you are you a player? Because some do and some don't. Are you a player that, um, whenever there's an opportunity, you check the scoreboard or you're interested to see how other players? Some people like to know where they're at. Does that something that sort of creeps into your game, or it's like no, full steam ahead. I'm going to do what I need to do, and I'll look at the end of the round.
2: This is so funny because. Um, when I talked to Dottie Ardina, she, she's pretty much my big sister. Um, mm-hmm. She told me when she won in Utah, she did not look at the leaderboard at all. So then when I started mm-hmm. playing on the offensive, she's like, Abby, ah, just don't look at the leaderboard. And then I did look at the leaderboard. and It actually makes me nervous. <laughs> so that I know now. <laughs> um, but this week I looked at the leaderboard and it didn't make me nervous at all. So I think I have mixed emotions about it. Um, I was not in contention this week, so I think maybe that's why um, it didn't make me nervous. I I was just curious as to where the cut was. And it actually went up. It went to four over. But I think if I was in contention, I wouldn't look. I wouldn't look at the leaderboard.
1: No. Yeah, I I think there is an appropriate time to sort of keep an eye out on things. I mean, again, especially if you're in contention, it can it can dis- help you decide on a particular shot. You know, do I be a little bit more aggressive here or do I need to, to sort of lay back and protect, you know, if you've got the lead or you're close to it and you don't want to lose a stroke, I can see where that would be very valuable. But you're right. I think a lot of people get caught up um, in the numbers, as it were, and, and where everybody's at. And then if they see that they're not in a good spot, well, then they just, well, I've got no, and it sort of loses that momentum. I think you have to just play as hard and as best you can Throughout the event and let the chips fall where they may either you have a great tournament uh, or maybe sometimes not a great tournament but it's always a learning experience that's the way i look at it it's always a learning experience for you and you get an opportunity to uh, reflect and say okay yeah i I like that not that maybe i don't like so much but that's okay i learned from it i'm going to do this better next time or i'm going to work on that part of my game a little bit more so there's always learning opportunities every time you you tee it up um what do you like to do for fun when you're not on the gun, don't tell me golf. When you're on the golf course, that's a that's a job, that's work. And yes, it can be fun. But what do you like to do when you're not playing golf?
2: What do I like to do? I love I love food. I like trying different places to eat. I, I, I'm I'm very passionate about food. Um, I like traveling and trying out new foods.
1: Hmm. Now, do you? do you prefer just to go out and and find a good restaurant maybe that you haven't tried or do you like to like the reason why I ask this is because a lot of the young ladies that we've had a lot of them like to cook themselves a lot of them just love you know mixing up you know some some you know crazy dish and and uh you know even when they're out on tour sometimes you know if they're in a situation where they can whip something up they love doing that and and kind of experimenting do you like to do that sometimes too or you just know I want to go out and I want to be served I want to go to the restaurant I want to just relax with some friends or or family, what have you, and I want to be served. I don't want to have to worry about, you know, preparing the meal myself.
2: Um, If I'm at an Airbnb for the week, um, usually I like to cook, um, but I like to try out different places as well.
1: Good. I think that's good. Um, What about other activities besides golf? Are there other sports and things that you enjoy doing or um, maybe hiking or, or something? Is there other activities besides golf that you like to do? And besides eating? (laughs)
2: Um, Well, I I really think that the food thing is a hobby. Like, I really, like, I take notes and everything. Um, Like, if I weren't playing golf, I think I would be a food critique. Um, I can definitely see myself, like, being on a Netflix show and just, like, traveling and just, like, reviewing all these places. But to answer your question, um, I also like going on hikes. I'm based in California, and there's a lot of good hikes right. over here.
1: I can see that. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. A um, lot of great I've been to California a number of times, and it's a, it's a beautiful state. A lot of great places to visit. The beach, of course, is one that's obviously a, a big one for, for those in California. Got to be careful of the sharks, though. A lot of sharks uh, coming around yeah. there, and especially up in the northeast. So you got to keep your eye out for yeah. that. Um, and stay away, And also stay away from the seals, too. They don't like you getting too close. Um, but um, no, I, I think it's good, and, and you have to have some downtime um, you know, from golf because uh, you're, you're out there, you're, you're battling it with some of the best young ladies coming up uh, through the ranks, and you've got to have a break from that. You've got to be able to decompress uh, from that. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to take a real quick break and hear a message from Golf Tips Magazine, and then we're going to come back and I'm going to ask you some questions on ways that maybe you can help some of the amateurs that might be tuning into the show how you can help them with their games will be right back
0: the following ad is sponsored by golf tips magazine
1: are you tired of being short off the tee and what about those three putts forget about it it's time you got serious about your game golf tips the most in-depth magazine in the industry for over 30 years golf tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from america's top pros simple-to-follow practice and gain improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe today. All right, welcome back, and I'm with my very special guest, Abigail Arvalo from the Epson Tour, and we're talking, we have been talking about her game a little bit but now we're going to see if we can help your game. Uh, a few tips from the pro, as it were. So, Abigail, let me ask you uh, just before we we took that quick break. Um, I said I wanted to sort of pick your brains, if you will, on how we could help some of our amateur golfers. So, you obviously have played in some um, uh, amateur events, pro am events, if, as it were, and you see a lot of our higher handicap players. I guess is putting it politely out there. What are some of that? First off, what are some of the common mistakes that you see them making so when you see them coming up there uh what are some of the common errors that you see them making um in their game
2: well i think it's just high expectations and then they get Mm -hmm. very frustrated easily easily frustrated
1: yeah i i agree i think they they don't they sort of raise the bar a little higher um than maybe what they need to right away and certainly you want to you, you, know, you want to aspire to a higher level game, but at the same time, you want to be realistic with where your game is at. Um, so is it important, do you think, and I'm sure you do this yourself, um, is it important for them to set some goals? Obviously, you have an ultimate goal. Hey, I want to, maybe it's to break 100, maybe it's to break 90, you know, uh, this season or what have you. Um, but is it also important to set some little goals that are a little bit more achievable along the way to help them on the way to the bigger goal?
2: Yes, um, I think that's a good thing. Looking at their scoring average, but I think um, being more purposeful in their practice, I think goes a, a long way. So just like doing drills in the like focusing on the process more, and then all of a sudden the results will fall. I think just sticking to like a more purposeful practice.
1: All right, so I want you to put your coaching hat on right now. I want you to take away the player hat. And I want you to put on your coaching hat. And if you had a young lady that, um, you know, was is interested in, in really learning to play this game and really wanted to uh, get out there and, and and challenge herself, what would the conversation be like between you and her? What would you say to her? What were some of the early things that you would say to her uh, to help her get on the right track?
2: Um, this very young lady?
1: Yes. And you can, you can any age doesn't matter whatever.
2: Just like get out there, just get out there and have fun. Trust it, and um, just work hard. That's all I'm going to say. Be be. It's huh. hard. <laughs>
1: all right, let me let me let me ask you. No, listen, it's not. It's you know this is the thing what's always very interesting to me is you know you're a player, so in your mindset, you already know you you've already conditioned yourself. It's very difficult sometimes to relay that information as a player and through through a coach's eyes because they're looking at it, things a little bit differently. They're looking at at the uh, the process and and all of the, the the cogs in the wheel as they say, for you to get to where you are you're working through it from a different perspective. So I want to ask you this. You mentioned just a moment ago about, you know, some drills and things like that. So are there some specific drills and maybe even some training aids that you've used to help you along your way and maybe even continue to use um, that really help you understand your swing and help guide you uh, to a better playing uh, experience? What are some drills that you like to do?
2: Definitely. Um, the first thing that comes to mind, it's not necessarily a drill, but I like to put an alignment rod in like where my target is, like in front of the ball. Like I know that everyone puts an alignment rod like parallel to the target. I also do that, but I actually like align from the ball to the target. And from there, mm-hmm. I get more aware of where I exit my hand. And it's just such a simple thing, but it's, like, it's just the awareness, target awareness. And what else? Um, With putting, I, like, just um, try to make sure I roll the ball um, to my target, like, pick a spot and roll it over that spot. So kind of like a gate drill. Mm -hmm. And then um, a couple speed drills um, being 10%, like, putting to 10% of the length of the putt. So let's say if it's a 10-footer just trying to put it, like putt it um, to one foot. It's hard to explain. <laughs> so
1: right, No, not. I, I like we, we, right. we we don't have the visual here, so I know it can be very difficult. So obviously there would be some putting drills that you would have them do to, to help give them uh, a sense of feel uh, for, for distance yes. uh, and, and speed and so forth. And then obviously, um, you know, in the big swing, and obviously it would apply for the putting as well, but um, you use an alignment stick uh, or alignment rod to be able to help you isolate where where the target is, where you're wanting the ball to go. So um, that's important. And, And that's something interesting too, Abigail, because a lot of amateurs don't. I mean, you've seen this, you know, you go to the driving range, and it's the old raking the ball, hitting one, raking another ball, hitting another ball, and they don't really have any sense of, uh, as you put it, purpose in their practice. So what would you do differently, or what would you have them do differently in their practice? Um, because, again, we see that all the time, and I know you've seen it uh, probably many times, where they just get up there and they're hitting ball after ball. They're not doing it. There's no pre-shot routine um, you know, for each shot. When you practice, so start with yourself. When you practice, do you go through your pre-shot routine? Uh, every time, most of the time, how do you do it, and is that something that you would try to get them to incorporate when they're practicing? Go with yourself first.
2: So with myself, I actually practice all my routines with um, with ball striking, potting, and chipping. So I have routines for three of those. I actually write down all my routines before every tournament, and I practice all of my routines and I try to do them perfectly. It's just some kind of tool that me and my mentor have been working on. And then what was the next question?
1: What does the pre-shot routine do for you that maybe amateurs don't understand? It's not just, you know, it's more than just a routine. Um, I mm-hmm. believe, in, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe what it is, is in addition to getting you into a routine, it helps relax you in preparation for the shot. So in other words, it gets you thinking about what you need to think or not thinking too much, but it gets you prepared. Uh, and it's an opportunity for you to maybe take some deep breaths, you know, relax, get yourself calmed down and, and prepared for that next shot. Is that what it does for you or does it do something different?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the routine, it helps you. It's kind of a tool it's a muscle memory thing. It's like, okay, if I waggle three times, I know I'm going to hit a good shot. It's a muscle memory thing. It's like, oh, okay, this feels right. Now I'm going to hit the shot, and it's going to be good. And it, mm-hmm. it, it's also a tool that me and my mentor has been working on. It's, a, it's not a distraction, but it's more of like mm-hmm. being present. It's like, okay, I'm going to look at the target four times, and if I do that, I'm going to hit a good shot. And you kind of just trust it and be confident about that.
1: What happens, Abigail, if you fall out of that routine? So let's say the first few shots, you're, you're right on target, you're hitting that uh, routine every time, but maybe um, you know, shot number four, let's say, or number three was not so good and, it, and you don't do the exact same routine. You do something slightly different. Instead of you know, three waggles, you do you know, two waggles or something. If you get out of that pre-shot routine, what does that do for you? Does that cause you to, to sort of not feel right at the moment and get you sort of off kilter a little bit
2: so my mentor my mental coach rather tells me to play captain back off if one single thing does not <laughs> feel right back off i know we only have 30 seconds to hit a shot on the epsom tour but for a place to play but play captain back off if i didn't wear my glove correctly this is simple thing if there's a bug in front of me that I have to pick up, I'm going to go captain back off and do the routine all over again until it feels right. Because in the back of my head, I was like, oh, my target here doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. So then the shot's not going to be good because all of a sudden you're thinking about it. But if you do it every single step perfectly, three waggles, look at the target four Mm -hmm. times, whatever it is that you wrote down or I wrote down, um, I'm going to stick to that.
1: Yeah, I think it's very important. And, you know, we've seen um, even tour players, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's the PGA or the LPGA, you can almost sense when something's not right. You know, you all hit a bad shot. I mean, nobody, I don't care what level of player you are, everybody hits a bad shot from time to time a lot more often than than probably what most people realize because we're seeing it through an edited lens on television. So we're not seeing all the bad shots. We may be seeing occasional bad shots. But during a round, we don't see a player that might hit four or five bad shots. Um, So it's not really realistic. But what you often see is they will get out of their routine. If you start to see a player, maybe it's the pressure that's, you know, they're in the lead. We've seen that where they've, you know, several uh, strokes in the lead. And then all of a sudden, it's like the the wheels fell off the bus. And you're you're trying to figure out what's going on here. And a lot of times they get that maybe their nerves have gotten to them. They've gotten out of their routine. So when you get out of your routine, how do you snap yourself back into it? What do you do? You back off, obviously, during the moment. But let's say it's carried over several holes. What do you say to yourself, and what would be some good advice that you'd like to give for the amateur players out there if they find themselves in that same situation?
2: Okay, so first I want to mention that having a perfect routine that you cultivated before a tournament The routine is a tool so that you don't have doubt in your mind. It's a tool Mm
0: -hmm.
2: that you kind of have something to focus on so that you don't have the pressures and doubt and you're not thinking about the results of the shot. So instead, you're very focused on the routine, and that's it. You just hit the shot. Um, So if I get out of it, uh, let's say I don't have a powerful routine. It means I'm really bored. Of the routine, mm-hmm. so then me and my mentor right. coach creates a different routine. Um, but it, it's a it's a weird it's a really weird concept that not everyone can understand. But it's just something you have to trust, and um, it's something that I do. It, it's it's not something for everyone, um, but definitely for amateurs. It's just the consistency. It, it, it's just having good consistency out there. goes a long way.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, I watched um, this past uh, winter, December actually, uh, when they had the final week of the Q series. happened to be in an area where I am. And, uh, of course, I'm talking about the LPGA. And I watched a lot of young players um, that were, every morning I went there early uh, because I wanted to catch a lot of them before they actually got out and played. So I would go up to the practice range, and I would watch them work on their routines. And what was really interesting that I never see or almost never see the amateurs do is some of what you were talking about. Number one, um, I never see them working with alignment sticks or alignment rods. I never see them working with any putting tools or aids uh, of that kind or doing any specific drills. And the other thing I never see the majority of, now some do, but the very vast majority, I never see them working through some sort of a pre-shot routine. They just, as I said earlier, they get up there and they hit and rake the balls. So this is why, obviously, you gals have a lot of uh, practice. You get out and work you know, every week, uh, not just playing, but you actually work on your games, um, probably to the point of exhaustion sometimes, I'm sure. Uh, but you're out there working on it. And obviously, every amateur doesn't have that same luxury. Um, but it's it's practicing with a purpose, as you said. You make the most of the time that you do have, so whether it's an hour a week, two hours, whatever it is. And I think also, would you agree that a lot of amateurs go up and they spend a lot of time at the range, but they don't get out and play a lot and put a lot of those things that they need to work on to practice when they're out there playing? Um, do you think a lot of amateurs need to get out and and quit hitting you know golf balls at the driving range all the time, but actually get out there on the golf course and put it into practice. What are your thoughts?
2: I think that, like, when I was younger, well, as an amateur, you just have so much energy, so you can go out there and mm-hmm. smack so much balls and hit, like, 100 balls or whatever. <laughs> but now when you're on the Epson tour or whatever tour that you're in, you're playing three, four weeks in a row, and you kind of have to – You kind of have to save your energy. It's so tiring. Um, Mm -hmm. But back to your question, um, practicing what you're going to do out there in the course, that's the question, right? Yes. Um, I think it's, obviously, it's a waste if you're not practicing what you're going to do out there. It's a big waste. It's like, why practice something you're not going to do in the course anyway? So practicing your routine it's just it's muscle memory again Mm -hmm. it's
1: muscle memory one of the biggest pet peeves if i could put it that way that a lot of amateurs have when it comes to practice is it's boring do you do i mean and and obviously you're you're yeah i mean let's be honest it's like anything (laughs) you know it's like baking a cake everybody loves eating the cake but it's It's the, you know, mixing the ingredients and it's whipping things together and throwing it in the oven and doing this, that, and yet that's not the fun part for some people. Some people maybe it is, but for the most part, the fun part is eating the cake. So for you, are there things that you do to try to make it fun uh, during your practice? Because, again, you're not, uh, you know, before you actually play an event, you're not out there for, you know, three hours on the practice. You're warming up and you're getting ready for that, that day's round. But when you're actually working with your your coaches and and your team and you're actually in a practice session, I would assume that there are probably certain things that you do to try to make it a little more fun, a little more interesting. Otherwise, you're going to get bored. So are there some things that you like to do that maybe might help somebody else that keep it a little bit more interesting during the practice?
2: Personally, I think with my training, it's never boring. So if um, I were to tell someone, Um, I guess, an advice on what to do. Well, a golf shot, you're never going to hit, like, a flat lie, perfect lie, straight shot to the green. You can literally, like, go out in the range and practice your low shots, your fade, your draw, and challenge yourself. Like, start from this spin and end to this spin with a draw. Um, Just trying out new shots. Um, Going out uh, in the chipping area, going to the bunker and, like, purposely plugging it and hitting, like, you know, a fried egg shot. Because you're going to have shots out mm-hmm. there. Like, in French Lake, there were so many divots out there. And I have been practicing, <laughs> like, shots in the divot. You know, just challenging yourself. Mm-hmm. Constantly right. challenging yourself. It's it's never going to be boring. There's so many things you can do. And it's also going to be a better player.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I teach golf. Um, and one of the things that I try to, to get my students, and, and Cindy, of course, teaches as well, is practice shots that you're actually going to 90% of the time or 99% of the time are going to be faced with like hitting out of a divot um, the other thing i try mm-hmm. to do when i go for my own my own practice uh... which isn't as much as i'd like it to be just because i'm busy with everything else but um, is i try to find a part of the range um, and ha- happens to be where i go is there's multiple levels so there's you know uh... one level of the range and then it goes up and there's another level and so on and so forth and I'll actually go to the very end, and I will get to as long as there's nobody, you know, in front of me, is I will go to the back part of that level I'm on, where there's a bit of a downslope, and I'll actually put a drop a few balls there, and hitting this, so I'm hitting a downhill shot, um, and then sometimes I'll even go to the very far side where there's a little bit of a side hill, and I will do the same thing. I'll put a ball below my feet, and I'll hit some shots to the green or, or to a target like that as well because those are shots i know i'm going to be faced with when i get out there and if you're hitting from a perfectly flat lie all the time um, that's great it's nice uh... It can be fun but it's not realistic because again ninety nine percent of the time you know good luck finding a flat spot out in the out in the fairway um, that just doesn't happen very exactly. often and i think yeah. that that's something right that that a lot of players um, you know amateur players particularly really struggle with um, you know and, and i think too you know, you said that you really have to, you know, you really have to focus on, um, again, a pre-shot routine, getting a pre-shot routine that works for you. Um, that's probably a big one because, again, we see so many players, um, and I'm, again, talking about the amateurs that that don't do that, um, and it, it just it really throws you off. It's surprising how much it can throw you off. Um, as far as, I guess from the mental side of the game, that that really applies to everybody. But if you had some tips, maybe some advice that you would do there, what would be some things that you would have them say to themselves? Again, if you're putting on your coach's hat here for a moment, what would the conversation be like that when it comes to the mind game? Because that's where really most people, even professionals, really struggle with is the mind game. I mean, most of them can learn how to hit a, a really good shot, but the mental game is what really holds them back sometimes. What would that conversation be like if you had a student in front of you?
2: If I had a student in front of me, I would tell them, hey, I believe in you as your coach. I believe in you. Your whole family believes in you. Your friends believe in you. But by the end of the day, you got to believe in yourself. And right. if you don't, you shouldn't be out there.
1: Right. I, I agree. Um, and I think it's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, Cindy, I'm sure if she was here would ask you this question because um, she works you know, with a lot of variety of different uh, levels of player, but she works with a lot of juniors who want to play, whether it be collegiate, want to play, um, you know, maybe eventually professional. Um, If you had a young, let's say, you know, nine, ten-year-old girl in front of you that is looking up to you and saying, you know, I want to do what you want to do. You know, I want to go and hopefully get into a good college, be able to play. I want to be able to you know, eventually get on tour, what would your advice be to them?
2: No, I would be like, just keep at it, um, play as much tournaments as you can um, over the summer, and just work hard and uh, have fun with it. Just have fun with it.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, What about those that, because you mentioned this, this was something that happened to you very early on is there came a point um, where you got a little burnt out to the point where you actually walked away a little bit from golf Um, what would Mm -hmm. your advice be there to prevent them from doing the same thing I mean everybody has to go on their own journey I realize that but if you in hindsight looking back to your from drawing from your own personal experiences one of the things that we see with a lot of juniors is they're grinding and working so hard and they just want it so bad um, but sometimes they don't stop to sort of smell the flowers what would you say to them to help them not sort of get burnt out too much? What would advice would you give them there?
2: I think in my experience, it's just, I was being too much of a perfectionist and I was just so Mm -hmm. revolved around results. And it's just so tiring Ted, like I would just tell them to just focus on the process. It's such a cliche and they're probably going to hate me (laughs) saying that. Just focus on the process and, (laughs) And that's all you can do. And you gotta be okay with—I I don't want to say failing. My mental coach hates that word. Uh, you gotta be
0: right.
2: okay with falling short from your goals, and right. you gotta be okay with having fun with that. And I've—I've mm-hmm. seen—I've seen myself having fun with that, so I'm really happy.
1: Well, and and I think, as I mentioned earlier, you have to be able to use those opportunities where you fall a bit short, as you said. As a learning opportunity. Okay, what did I do differently yes. here that I didn't do yesterday? Um, you know, yesterday I played, you know, solid in this area. My putting was, was you know, really sound and uh, the putts were rolling in. But then today it's kind of streaky. So you know, mm-hmm. obviously you're not going to tinker. You're not going to tinker with too much out in the golf course during the round because it could make it worse. Um, but maybe that's an opportunity after the round to say, okay, I'm going to go back to the putting green and I'm going to take a look at the process again. Maybe there's something I'm doing differently today than what I was doing yesterday. Is that, is that an accurate statement, do you think?
2: It's accurate because, you know when you fall short of your goals, let's say you have, you, know, you have a bad week, it's easier to dissect what you did when you fall short of your goals, and then you just go from there, reframe your mind, and then see what you can do and try to be better.
1: Yeah, I think so. And whether you're you know, aspiring like you are to, to play at the highest level or you just want to go out there and have fun with your friends and, and, and maybe coworkers and that, um, I think it's just ultimately the word is fun, is you want to go out and enjoy it. Because if you're not having fun, if you're not enjoying it, that's when it really, you know, as I said earlier, kind of sucks. Because you're just yeah. out there and you're beating yourself up all the time and you're just not enjoying yourself. And it sounds to me... Like you came to that realization very early on in your career that you said, you know what, hey, I know I've got to work and I've got to really put the effort in if I want to play at this level, and that's that's a given. If you're going to play at the level that you're playing at, you've got to get out there and do your, your homework, as it were. Um, but at the same time, you have to enjoy the process that gets you there, and when you get there, when you're out on tour and you're out playing in an event, you've got to remember to have fun and not be so caught up in the numbers and not, you know, the scoreboard, let it you know, lead you on your path, you've got to stick to the process that you and your team have been working on um, that whole season and go out there each and every event and do the same thing and trust the process. Would that be accurate as well?
2: Yes, very accurate. It's the, it, it's the balance. Um, it's the triangle of balance. It's learning, having fun, and performance. When you're learning, constantly learning and having fun, the results are going to fall in. It's going to come.
1: I I couldn't agree more. I think I should be writing this stuff down. There could be a book here. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, I, I'm really or, enjoying with these conversations. I, I love talking about the power of the minds. And, you know, people don't realize how powerful our minds are. And um, it's a tool. It's a tool not only in golf, but also in life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I. You. You took the words right out of my mouth. I've said this my whole life. Um, I started playing golf very early on. My father took me out to the, to the range first and then out to the course and, um, you know, walked me through all the things that I needed to know. Um, but he said to me very early on, he said, you're going to find one of the things about this particular game is it mimics life in so many ways. You're going to have good times. You're going to struggle. You're going to have successes and happiness and joy. And there's going to be some times where you're going to feel like thumping that club into the ground and whatnot. And he says, it's how you handle those situations, both good and bad, that is going to serve you well in your everyday life uh, experiences as well. And he was exactly right. Um, You know, we all get frustrated and, and, uh, you know, perplexed, if you will, during, um, you know, the difficult times and very elated and excited and happy during the good times, but we have to find a balance in our life because there's going to be both. And um, I think it sounds like you've got a good head on your shoulders and surrounded by a very Um, competent and loving team that that is keeping you on the straight and narrow as they say and I think you've got a very successful career ahead of you and uh, I want to wish you all of the best and I want to especially thank you Abigail for taking time and joining me this morning here on the Women of Golf
2: of course that is so much fun
1: All right. well I hope you'll come back and join us again we'd love to have you maybe we'll get Dottie to come on with you and uh, you and your your bestie can uh, come and talk about some uh, Uh, some other experiences that you've had together as well. But on that note, thank you again for for joining me this morning, and uh, good luck the rest of the season, and uh, let us know how you do.
2: Thank you, Ted. Thank you so much.
1: All right. right. You have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That was my very special guest, uh, LBJ Epsom Tour rookie Abigail Arvallo uh... from the philippines joining me this morning here on the women of golf and very insightful um, i think uh... listening to her and and um, i think she shared some some very good information um, for those of you that may be tuned a little bit later in the broadcast i would strongly urge you to go back and listen to the entire broadcast again uh, i think she laid out some very interesting a- approaches a lot of people don't understand especially at the amateur level um, really what these pros go through, and I think she laid it out very well. So if you want to hear that in its entirety, uh, go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf, and you can scroll down to the on-demand section. You can listen to it in its archive form uh, or recorded form, and that will be available shortly after the end of the broadcast. So uh, make sure you do that. And there's also some great interviews uh, prior uh, to that as well in the archive section. So make sure you check out some of the older uh, uh, records as well, if you will, on some of the other players that we've had on the show. I think you'll find some very interesting information and some interesting discussions there as well. On that note, um, I want to thank you all for joining me this morning here on the Women of Golf. And again, Cindy sends her apologies for not being able to make it this week, but uh, understandable sometimes these things happen. So we'll see her next week and another very special guest here on the Women of Golf. God bless everybody and have a great week. We'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 AM Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, Live, and of course, Spotify. To get updates on the show, You can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash womenofgolf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.